Hi, I'm Sapora, and welcome back to Normal People. Normal People features interviews with people from all walks of life. Topics discussed include family, friendship, love, mental health, and career. The conversations held on Normal People are raw, vulnerable, and illuminate the moments and traits that make each individual unique. If you are a human who is interested in other humans, this podcast is for you. If you are a human who wants to experience love, connection, empathy, and stories, this podcast is for you. Today's guest is Julia, otherwise known as ASMR X Babe. Julia is an ASMR YouTuber who describes herself as the CEO of Keeping It Real. Julia has been in the public eye for around a decade with a beauty YouTube channel, a channel with her best friends back in their school days, of course her ASMR channel, plus a cameo on the reality show Jerseylicious. As she continues to be in a committed relationship with her high school sweetheart, Julia is able to offer unique insight into how to mature and change with a romantic partner. Throughout this episode of Normal People, Julia also touches on her parents' divorce, her major YouTube controversy, coping with hate, her decision to switch colleges in order to stay close to her boyfriend, mental health, loss of friends and other loved ones, and more. Julia is a logical, eloquent woman. Speaking with her taught me so much, and I know she will connect with you too. I also want to say that I was getting over a cold when we recorded this interview, so my voice was shot, for lack of a better word. Unfortunately, I was unable to banter with Julia the same way I do with my other guests, so I decided to add tiny snippets of my thoughts post-recording, if that makes any sense. Basically, I if there was like a time in our conversation where it's like, oh, I have something to say, I wrote it down, and then afterwards I recorded my thoughts. So I just wanted to give you full disclosure so I'm not deceiving you. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Hi, Julia. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. So why don't we start at the very beginning? Tell me about where you're from and your family. Sure. So I am from Philadelphia. I won't go into too many specifics about exactly where, but I grew up with my parents and my older sister, Gina, who's three and a half years older than me. Um, Currently, I live with my boyfriend, my long-term boyfriend, um, still in Philadelphia, pretty close to where I grew up, and I've been here pretty much my whole life. Great. So, we're just going to kind of go through your school life now. You said that when you were in elementary school, you had experiences with both being bullied and being a bully. Do you want to, without going into too much detail, talk about that? Yeah, so definitely I remember uh, in elementary school in fourth grade getting called to the principal's office and getting told that I was a bully and having to have the principal call my mom and I got picked up and I was so scared and terrified. Um, I think I was just young and stupid and needed to, you know, learn a lesson. I was just like a bratty kid. But then, of course, the other side of it was more, like, in middle school and stuff, I got bullied, too, I guess. It's weird for me to say that word because I feel like 
when I was growing up, it was more downplayed. Um, but I definitely remember having many days being upset and crying over things that kids had said to me or, you know, I remember specific things um, that they would have said about like me having a big nose or big ears or whatever. Um, so just looking back on it, it definitely uh, stuck a little bit, but I think it made me stronger overall. And then of course, being called out as a bully so young uh, helped to kind of make sure that I, I didn't act that way, you know, as I got older. So I think it's something we all experience, but um, yeah. And if it is painful for you to look back on either of those experiences, do you find that one of them is more painful to look back on, one is less, or neither are really that painful? Uh, I don't think too painful, just because I'm so much older now and I grew out of it. It's more something that, I, I mean, it definitely, you know, in high school, I would have kids in high school say, oh, I remember you said this to me in like middle school or elementary school, and I'd be like, wow, I'm so sorry, that's awful. Um, you know, I don't mean that I apologize. And it just, it's interesting that people remember things from so long ago, but then I had the experience too. And I don't place blame on something that somebody that was, you know, 12 years old said to me, you know, so I forgive and forget. And I would assume that people would do that too, since I turned out to not be, you know, a serial killer or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> so your parents got divorced when you were 14 years old. I'm wondering if you remember how their relationship was before they got divorced. Yeah, so my parents, I definitely respect them a lot because whenever they sat me down and told me that they were getting divorced, I was, it to me, came completely out of left field. Um, I never saw them fight. They had a very amicable relationship. I think I saw them fight like one or two times, just normal. Um so I definitely look back now as an adult and see that they kind of kept it together for the kids. Um, and I think because I was a little older, you know, 14 versus kids split up when they're six and they still go to like the pumpkin patch with their family on family outings. Like I was starting to become a teenager and I didn't want to have anything to do with my parents. Um, so I didn't like care that much. I was of course upset, but I didn't see them fight and they were, they remained, you know, friendly with each other. So, yeah. So do you feel that growing up, you had an example of a healthy relationship to look up to? Yeah, for sure. And I think mostly, I think I'm definitely the most like my mom and I see the way that my mom handled herself in the relationship. And I definitely see qualities that she has that I now have as well. And, you know, still, even after they got divorced, they were friendly. And, you know, my dad would bring his girlfriend to Christmas dinner and my mom's boyfriend would be there too. So it's nice to see. And I think it's important that they kept it together in front of me. And I know that, you know, if ever I was in their position that I would try to do the same thing because I wasn't, you know, crying myself to sleep, hearing them fight in the middle of the night. And I think, you know, that can be really traumatizing for kids. So I, I respect that they were able to kind of keep it together around us because I know not every child is that lucky, um, you know, and it does experience the trauma of their parents getting really tumultuous with each other. Yeah, so my parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. Um, and I remember 
from before then, I definitely had the opposite experience as you. I remember the screaming matches. I remember the yelling every night when I was trying to go to sleep. And I have a younger sibling, so my coping mechanism was to kind of try to protect them and make sure they were okay. And their coping mechanism was to, like, come to me whenever we heard my parents fighting. Like, it wasn't so bad. I'm not, like, traumatized. There wasn't, like, violence in the home all the time. But it was definitely different. I definitely didn't feel the love in the house. (laughs) And I feel like I didn't have a healthy romantic relationship to look up to from a young age. So it's really wonderful that you did. But, yeah, that's just my connection to that. So high school was around the time when you started to experiment with boys and with alcohol and I was wondering if you want to expand on that and I was also wondering if getting in trouble for that caused you to rebel even more. My mom thinks that like, you know, that was around the time that my parents got divorced and she thinks that that was like a part of it but I think I was just a teenager like and you know, we met the boys in the grade above us and they would drink and smoke and party and whatever. So we just, it's just like, I think any high schooler's journey. Um, so I don't necessarily know that like anything caused me really to rebel other than just kind of wanting to like have fun and assert my being grown up and, you know, being an adult and meeting boys and just like, you know, having too much free time in the summers. (laughs) Um, So Jerseylicious is a reality show about the lives of six stylists who work salons, who work in different salons in New Jersey. You said that you were on that show a few times. How did that come to be and how was that experience? Yeah, so that was so random. Just looking back and like, you know, thinking about that, I always loved like being in front of the camera. Hence why I have a YouTube channel and I would do like little movies with my friends when I was younger. I truly can't remember how I found it, but there was a Facebook group that was like Jersey reality show casting or something. And they would post casting calls for extras for the show Jersey Licious. And they would say, Oh, we need, you know, a group of girls that want to get their makeup done for free and come be on Jersey Licious. And that was like my dream come true. I would have paid them if they would have like, let me go do it. And so I would just, you know, it was always in Jersey, which was depending like which set they were using. It was between, you know, 90 minutes to like over two hours if it was in Hoboken. And before I was 18, I would drag because we needed like an adult with you. I would drag my parents or my friend's parents. And I remember being there until like, two o'clock in the morning one time because when you're filming that type of thing it's just a slow process um but I would just try to be an extra anytime I could and then I remember once they were casting for Olivia was one of the main characters they were casting for her like assistant makeup artist and at the time I was doing makeup and I went and interviewed for that role and like my crazy Jersey Licious outfit with my tan And I didn't end up getting it. I was, like, so upset about it. But this was when I was still in high school. So looking back on, you know, this, like, random failed reality show, what was I going to do, drop out of high school to go be on this, like, you know, D-list reality show? So everything happens for a reason. But I was crushed at the time. Um, But it was it's fun. It's funny to look back on. I have pictures of me with, like, the cast and stuff. And, like, 
I was always starstruck, but it was very sad for me at the time to see how fake it was, all complete mm. bullshit. And, you know, they would have a premiere party for this book or something that somebody had written and they'd have like props and there's nothing, there's nothing in the book. Like nobody wrote a book. It's not real. They don't even work at the salon. So that was a little bit heartbreaking, you know, me at 16 trying to like meet my idols and seeing that the show is not even real. But now as an adult, like I realized that, that that's the case. And I just think it was a funny experience, <laughs> funny story to tell. <laughs> that's like a good, like two truths and a lie. Yes. I always, we use that. 100%. I've used that so many times before. I was like, that was on a reality TV show. I, in high school, I was voted, like, most likely to be on reality TV, and that was, like, my, uh, you know, proudest moment. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. So, you also began your first YouTube channel in high school. What was that channel? So, I had, so I'm on now my third YouTube channel, which a lot of people don't know. Um, right now, I have my ASMR channel. Before this, I was doing, like, beauty videos slash vlogs. Um, but before that, I had a channel called Exclusive 3 with my two uh, girlfriends, <laughs> the twins. And we actually did really well. This was, like, I don't even know. I think this was even a little before high school. I think it was in, like, eighth grade. So I was, like, 14. And we, like, we had, like, a how to whiten your teeth video. <laughs> We had, like, an OOTD for, like, high school, and I basically wanted to make a YouTube channel, and I, because I, like I said, I always love to do videos and stuff, and I was scared to do it by myself, so I had my girlfriends do it with me, um, but us, you know, not living in the same house and having different goals and being, you know, so young, it didn't end up working out that we were able to do it together consistently, so that's when I was like, okay, guys, like, I'm going to branch out on my own, and do my own channel, but those videos are still on YouTube, and that was in, like, the really, really OG, like, early stages of YouTube, and I wish that I had known, like, what I know now about YouTube, so that I could have, you know, cracked the system and got in then, you know, knowing how to actually run a channel and be successful before it was, you know, saturated with all this competition. Cause now it's just crazy. Everyone does YouTube videos. So it's hard to get anything, you know, it's hard to get any videos noticed, but we have a couple videos on that channel with a few thousand views. So, you know, it's, it's cute to look back on. I'm going to try to find that. That sounds funny. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's exclusive three. Like it's E, I think it's E-X-X exclusive. And then I think it's T-H-R-E-E exclusive three. You'll find it. <laughs> I'll be looking. So <laughs> did you tell people at school about your channel and about your time on Jersey Licious or were they things that you kept to yourself? Um, Jersey Licious, hell yeah, definitely told people about that. The first channel, the exclusive three channel, I don't think I told anybody. My second channel, Julia X Babe, um, I don't remember. I had that channel for so long, and it still exists, but I haven't uploaded on it in, like, a year. Um, I don't know. I think, like, some people knew, and then when I started to grow a little bit on it, then I started telling people, um, but it's, it's hard for me to remember, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> So you also met your boyfriend in high school. Do you want to talk about meeting him and your initial relationship? Yeah, so I had a math 
class with Tony is my boyfriend's name. Um, I was in eighth grade and he was in ninth grade. And we were in the same class and I just thought he was cute. And I had a class with his friend in another class. He was like a tech thing. And I was like, yeah, I think Tony's cute. And then that, you know, turned into, you know, the, the Tony's friend going to him and saying, Julia wants to hook up with you. Like Julia wants to date you just because I said he's cute. So I remember like knowing that my friend had told Tony that and like walking by the bus stop where we would all hang out and being like, oh my God, like Tony knows that I think he's cute and just kind of like walking away. Um, and then he texted me and we would start talking on text, but then like um, ignore each other in the hallways. Like when he actually asked me to be his girlfriend, um, we became boyfriend and girlfriend. He asked me in a text message and then we would literally be boyfriend girlfriend and walk by each other in the hall and like not say anything to each other and I just look back at that and like 12 years later we live together he's probably listening to me talking right now like rolling his eyes because he's so shy and private um and just to think that like that's where we came from I can't believe that we've stayed together this long it I never obviously meant it to be that serious of a relationship because I was 15 when we started dating but we just I guess fell in love and I've been together ever since. <laughs> That's crazy because it started off as like your quintessential middle school relationship and now it's literally. <laughs> so you were going to go to Penn State for college, but you chose to leave school to go to a school closer to your boyfriend. Do you want to talk about that decision? Yeah, so I went to Penn State's summer session. And that's when I met Lily, Lily Whispers. I'm sure you probably know um, her YouTube channel. She was my roommate for the summer session in college. And I had so much fun. Obviously, her and I built a really um, significant, long-lasting friendship because that was the only time that, you know, her and I lived together um, was just for three months when we were 18 years old. And now it's like, you know, nine years later and we're still really close and talk, you know, all the time. Um, but I just, at that point I had been with Tony for like three and a half years and I wanted to be home with him for sure. But I also knew that that alone, you know, no adult would advise somebody that is 18 years old to leave school and go home to be with their boyfriend. Like that's usually not a good choice. Um, but I knew that like we were serious. I knew I wanted to be around him. And then also too being up there it was in the middle of nowhere it's like in the boonies there was no like work to be done I've had a job since I was like 12 and I wanted to make an income and I knew I wanted to kind of get into doing makeup and stuff more and I knew I wanted to work at Sephora so I was like I want to go home I want to be with my boyfriend I want to work at Sephora and I went home and I was with him and I got a job at Sephora so it all ended up you know working out and thankfully we're still together um but I wouldn't give that advice to, to young people to say, leave your school to go be with a boyfriend. Because people would say to me, you're, you know, you're not going to get the college experience because I went home and lived with my mom during college. I didn't live in a dorm. Um, and for me, like, I didn't really feel the desire to have that because I had friends in Philly. I still went out and had that social life. But there is part of me, and I would visit my friends, too, that all were away at school, but there is part of me that kind of looks back at college kids these days and, like, sees, you know, 
how fun it looks and kind of wonders what it would have been like if I would have had that. So I do think that experience is important. Like I would recommend that to people. I think my situation was very rare for sure. Did you go to a different school closer to you or did you just choose to skip college? No, I definitely went to school. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I did. Yeah. Went to school for sure and graduated from a four-year university. It was just like a commuter uh, different campus. <clears throat> okay, so I know that you and your boyfriend, Tony, have had a rather turbulent relationship that involved many breakups, ups and downs, and growing as individuals. Do you want to talk about all of that for a few minutes? Yeah, I feel like he's probably like standing at the door and <laughs> being like, oh God. Um, I think so, yeah, I mean, it really just goes back to the fact that we started dating when we were children. Um, mm-hmm. When you think, I know, you know, you're young, of course, but when you think about where you are at the age of 15 compared to where you are at 27, like, it's worlds of a difference. You finish high school, you go through college, you have a job, you move out, whatever. So growing up with somebody, being in a relationship with them, like, you don't always know yourself, Um You know, during those times, most people don't. That's the time when most people are figuring themselves out, what they want to do, what they want to be, what type of person they want to be. So, of course, being in a relationship during those times, you're going to, you know, number one, you haven't experienced anything else. So you don't have, like, a benchmark for comparison of how this person treated me or how I'm supposed to be treated by this person or how I'm supposed to treat this person. So that was definitely something that we had to really work on, um, because whenever you go through like a breakup, you know, with a boyfriend, you leave that breakup knowing what you want, what you don't want. We didn't have that. We've been together the whole time, just me and him. So we've really had to grow up together, um, which definitely just involves and still involves growing pains that luckily, knock on wood, we've been able to you know, move past and now things are you know, way healthier and steady. Um, but yeah, we were definitely crazy in high school and college and I was crazy. I was like way too insecure and just all those mistakes that we all have to make. I made them all with the same guy and he made them all with the same girl. So, you know, it it was a lot, but it was worth it. (laughs) I know that you've also had some experiences with toxic friends. Do you want to talk about that for a few minutes? reference that it's more just kind of again I think things that you know everyone goes through growing up I definitely had I remember you know when I had my space and changing friends out on my top eight (laughs) and you know having other friends change me out on their top eight and I was like what's going on I thought we were friends and I remember all that bullshit but you know as an adult I've had less of that um have lost you know, really probably just one for like real friendship as an adult, but I don't know that I necessarily would want to get too much into that. Um, cause I think we all experience it and it doesn't necessarily define any part of my life as is now. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you learn over the years to discover who your real good friends are? Uh, I learned that pretty early on I remember being like backstabbed by this girl in like eighth ninth whatever grade it was it was early on and 
she had violated my trust and kind of told a secret that I had told her to keep. And I really thought she was going to keep it. And as soon as I realized that I couldn't trust her, that's when it was done. So I think I learned quickly that number one, you can't trust everyone and you shouldn't. And your real friends are the ones that you should be able to tell them something that, you know, they understand if it's like a level of seriousness that you don't want anyone to know about and take that to the grave with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise I don't have any time for those, those people (laughs) that just want attention so much. They like to see, you know, they want to tell stories and secrets about people just to see the other person's eyes light up and just to have attention on them for like five minutes. That's when, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's not worth it. So the girls that I'm friends with now, my core group of friends, I know that I can tell them anything um it'll always be safe with them free of judgment um but you know not too not too polite with me either um and you know that's something too that I think is important because I think when we have friendships that are too surface level and too polite that you don't ever get to really um like grow because people are just telling you everything you want to hear. So I think there's a good balance of, you know, me and my friends are kind of mean to each other when we need it and love each other when we need it. So what you were saying about how like some people will just like share your secrets just in order for that instant gratification of seeing someone else's eyes light up of that attention. I knew someone in grade six. This is just a funny story that I've love to tell people because I think it's such a perfect embodiment of that who would literally go up to everyone it was sixth grade so like having a crush was like a big deal and she would go up to you and be like tell me your crush I'll exchange it for this person and she would collect people's crushes like monopoly money and like trade them for others and I remember being with her when she told when she asked someone their crush, like, exchanged it, whatever, and then immediately after went over to someone else and did the same little trade deal, and I was with her, we weren't really friends, it was just, like, I was with her, and then we went to the washroom or something, and I was, like, um, why would you do that? Like, you're violating their trust, and she was, like, oh, it's okay, like, I've been doing this, like, for a few years, and I was, like, okay, like, girl boss moment, because, I mean, it's kind of, a nice business you've got going, but also that's not cool. And that's when I realized, like, you have to really choose who to trust because people will trade your secrets like they're candy if they don't actually care about you as a human being. Um, I know that you recently had a friend pass away due to a drug overdose. And first of all, I want to say that I'm really sorry for your loss. And if it's not too painful for you, would you be willing to talk about what happened and how that's impacted your life? Yeah, so I won't won't go into too much detail, but I think that there's definitely, like, an opioid epidemic right now, and especially, too, I think with COVID and quarantine, people are even more depressed and feeling isolated, and that doesn't get talked about often, Um, that other really negative side of it, because that is very real, Um, so there's just a lot of people that turn to drugs and alcohol to um, kind of self-soothe. And unfortunately, the older that you get, the more people you start to, you know, see that take an effect on. So I have uh, seen that 
affect some people I love, unfortunately, some have passed away. So um, I would definitely encourage and continue to encourage the stigma behind mental health and getting help and therapy and all that. I'm glad to see it going away. Um, and I hope to continue to see less like glamorization of drugs and things mm-hmm. like that because it's real and people die and it sucks. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if you're on TikTok or not, but I definitely noticed. Oh yeah, I'm on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of glamorization of hard drugs on TikTok, which I personally have a problem with because I've seen it affect some people in my life really negatively. And that's like what you said. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so there were two other significant deaths that impacted you through at different times in your life, your aunt and your boyfriend's brother. Again, I'm really sorry about both of those. And to Tony, I'm really sorry. Um, if it's not too painful, would you be willing to expand on those? Yeah, so I was really lucky growing up that I didn't have a lot of like losses in my life early on. I don't think I had... I mean, I had grandparents pass away when I was really young, um, and, you know, I'm sure I was sad at the time, but I was so young, I barely knew them, I don't really remember a lot of it, I think my grandfather passing when I was in sixth grade, that was the last grandparent I lost, and that was the first time I think I felt, like, that sadness, but other than that, like, I really do think that it was a blessing that I didn't lose anybody for a long time, so... Um, when I was 22, my aunt passed away from ovarian cancer, which was really hard. Um, she was like, kind of like a second mom to me, my dad's brother, she didn't have kids. So she kind of treated my sister and I as her children and we're super close with her. We'd spend time with her, you know, on the weekends, have sleepovers at her house. I have a diary that I, you know, will look back on that I wrote in when I was young and I would say, I'm going to sleep over my, my Aunt Kathy's tonight. I'm leaving in two hours and three minutes. I'm so excited. We're going to build a fort, this and that. Like, I was so excited. I loved spending time with her, um, especially because a lot of my family is and was scattered around different areas. Not everybody was really here, like my extended family, and she was one of the only people that was really in this immediate area. So, um, yeah, she passed away when I was 22. It was definitely really hard, and... Um, I remember like crying at night for a while, just kind of like before I would go to sleep and just feeling so hurt. Um, But I kind of, uh, I feel like, you know, it's just something that we all have to experience loss. And it just made me in my head subconsciously think, you know, tell your parents and tell everybody you love them more and make sure to spend time with your parents, even if you, um, you know, don't want to when you're young because you're going to look back on that and, you know, wish you had spent more time or wish you had said more or whatever. So that was definitely really hard. I'm the closest person that I had lost up until then. And then, um, yeah, Tony's brother passed away unexpectedly, um, in July of 2019. And that was really hard too, just because it was somebody very close and also somebody very young Um, So going through that with him was really, really hard. Um, But I think there's lessons in everything. And it's like so cliche and everybody says it, but it just really makes you think to tell your friends, like, I love you. Um, Because just knowing that, like I had when my aunt died, I had the last conversation with her. I did get to say goodbye and, you know, let her know that I love her and all that. And that comforts me. So if you kind of 
you don't always get those conversations. You don't always know when it's coming. So to just constantly tell people, you know, how you feel about them, don't get a bit angry, all that stuff, I think is so important and something that um, I've learned from having those close losses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you said that mental health is a topic that you're passionate about. I love talking about mental health on the podcast and hearing different people's perspectives and experiences. So do you want to share your story with mental health? Yes. So it's just another thing that, again, just because it kind of hits home personally for, you know, some friends and family members, I don't want to go too much into detail. Um, But I have seen firsthand, you know, just the dangers of drugs, alcohol, the effect of depression and crippling anxiety, not from myself personally, but from, again, people that are the closest people to me, that um, it's just unimaginable, the things that I have seen. And, you know, I've had to 302 a person before, kind of um, check them into a mental health institution against their will um I've visited many a rehab facility um psychiatric hospitals things like that for people that I love so it's like again it's I know I'm being vague and it's like you want to get rid of the stigma behind mental health um and it, that doesn't help the the mission to do that doesn't help with vagueness but it's they're unfortunately not my personal stories Mm -hmm. to tell. So I don't feel too comfortable going into detail, but I've seen it all. And I've seen, I think one of my main things is that this the way our system is and our healthcare system is set up. Like it is not set up to help people with mental health issues. It's really not the inside of these psychiatric units are the way that you would see in a movie, like in a crazy, like Looney bin mental hospital. Um, they are so just drab and scary and gross and smell and whatever. And to go anywhere that's, um, and and same with like a rehab or whatever, the only ones that are good are so expensive Mm -hmm. and to go anywhere that's remotely helpful, you know, where they can really handle like a dual diagnosis or a long-term care, it's thousands of dollars a month a week a day it's disgraceful there's just no middle ground set in place um for people that can't afford like the top luxury care so it's messed up and I've thought like I've thought before that I was gonna lose you know a person uh to suicide or depression and I thought to myself if this happens I want to become an advocate and talk about it um, you know, for mental health and for somehow changing the system because, you know, when you're sick with cancer or something, it's, you go to the hospital, you get these treatments, whatever, things are set in place. There's path, clinical pathways to make sure, you know, exactly, you know, what your treatment is and everyone pays attention to you and, and talks to you and says, I'm sorry, how are you doing? But when you're having depression, anxiety and whatever else, bipolar it just doesn't go that way and people still don't like to talk about it and it's just unfortunate but I think the conversation is changing recently so I am glad to see that 
um, you know, people talk openly about like going to therapy. I hear so many podcast commercials for better health um, that that just wouldn't have been a thing before. So I think there's there is so much growth to be had. Um, but I'm glad to see that it's progressing, you know, somewhat compared to like 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I live in Canada, so we do have like... Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So some of it's like, it's less expensive, I would say. But it's still like, I know someone close to me who had to go to a hospital for mental health and it the like conditions weren't much better. It's not a place that nurtures your mental health at I honestly was like, how is someone supposed to get out of depression here, you know? Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way. And I've seen, um, I've seen more than a few of them. And like, like you said, like it's, it seems like it would promote depression. They're kind of locked away in a, in a room that's white walls and mm-hmm. just gross. And it's just, even this, uh, the staff oftentimes doesn't, doesn't even seem like they want to be there. Um, it's just not a a good place to be I certainly don't think that I would feel happy or feel inspired to get out of a depressive state in a, in a place like that so it's unfortunate for sure mm-hmm. yeah like the person I know who had to stay at a hospital for mental health they were not allowed to go outside and there are numerous studies that show you that going outside getting that sunlight even if it's just for like half an hour a day that vastly improves your mental health how is staying in your bedroom and your with your drab gray walls and then only being allowed to walk around your ward how does that help your mental health <laughs> it's ridiculous um so we're going to move on from that heavy stuff and start talking about your career. Um, in addition to being a talented ASMR creator, you are also a director of digital events. When did that become a career you were interested in? Um, so I kind of always knew that I was going to do something to do with like communications, writing. I get that. I get asked that to you all the time um, from, you know, kids in high school or starting college, like just not knowing what they want to do with their career. And what I did, and I think I would recommend is just figuring out the skills that I had. Like I said, I knew how to write. I was more of like a creative brain than, than the math side. So I knew I'm not going to be an accounting major. Like that's not going to happen for me. I knew I wanted to do something. I, I didn't know exactly what I, what I wanted to do but I picked a major that was going to cater to my skills so I could kind of take classes around, you know, uh, event planning, marketing, things like that. And I just kind of fell into um, working on events and a little bit of marketing as my first job out of school. Um, Ended up, you know, liking that. It took a while for me to, to find that job. I took like nine months from graduating school to actually having a job. Um, and then I was doing marketing for a little while. Uh, I just started a new job, my new job as director of digital events um, in October. And this was me going back to um, a job that I had previously and just having a higher position. I just, like I said, I just feel like I, I kind of took the skills that I was good at organizing, planning, writing, marketing, you know, I use marketing in my YouTube channel as well, um, and kind of looked for a job that was, uh, that um, encompassed all those skills, and that's where I really knew I would be able to thrive and grow, 
So I, I, again, that's something that I would suggest to people, unless you absolutely know that you want to be an astronaut or an accountant, that's your main thing. It's like, stick with what you're good at. And that's when you can really, once you know what you're doing and you're good at it, that's when you can start to grow and build your career and make more money, which is at the end of the day, if you're career driven, that's what we all wanted to do. So who knows where I'll be in another five years though, in terms of career, like I'm always open and just, you know, anything that I feel like I, if I'm able to do the job and I enjoy it, like I'm open to it for sure. Yeah. So are you happy with your job or do you have other goals in your career? I'm definitely happy with my job. Um, right now, you know, I guess I only started in October. Um, I was really unhappy, happy at my last job. I wasn't being treated fairly. Um, so it feels really good to be in the role that I'm at now. Um, feeling a lot more respected and valued and just kind of it's a refreshing change from my last role um you know of course as far as like you know my youtube channel and and that who wouldn't want to work for themselves and do like their passion project for a living so if that ever came about one day that i had the means to do that or it blew up like would i do that probably um but for now I'm definitely kind of just on, I'm just, I'm enjoying my time in, in my current role and I'm open for what the future brings. I'm definitely very career driven, at least at the moment that could change once I have kids. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's exciting to not know where I'll be in like five years or so. And as long as I'm growing, going up the ladder and elevating my salary and I'm happy and respected. That's all I care about really for career. I'm not like so stuck on doing just marketing or just events or whatever. Um, so. And so now you mentioned your ASMR channel a couple of times and now we're just going to be focusing on that. Um, when did you decide to start the channel? I started to, or I decided to start my ASMR channel Um, I have thought about it for a little while before I actually did it. And I was just nervous that people would be like, what the hell is this? Like, what is she doing? Is this like a weird, like sexual fetish thing? Um, but I knew that I still really loved to do YouTube. Um, and I, because I was doing my like vlog beauty channel at the time, those videos, I wasn't doing them consistently because I stopped being, you know, a makeup artist. Um, I just didn't really feel passionate about the content that I was creating. So I wasn't creating consistently. Um, I had, I always watched ASMR, watched ASMR since I was in high school and I was like, should I do it? Should I make an ASMR channel? Like I just wanted to start something new and try it out. Once I saw Wiz Khalifa, I think do like an ASMR video, I think it was on Fuse or something to have that mind massage segment. I was like, okay, Wiz Khalifa did ASMR. That means I can do ASMR and not be like a total weirdo. Um, And just from like a business standpoint, I wanted to kind of jump into it before it was too oversaturated because that's like I said way before when we were talking, that's what happened. Now everyone's on YouTube. Everyone wants to be a YouTuber. And I just thought, okay, if you're going to continue to be scared to try this out, whenever you do have the balls to go and do it, there's going to be 10 million ASMR YouTubers and you're not going to be able to get any visibility. So I feel like I got in um, at a good time, still could have been earlier, always could have been earlier. 
and, and <clears throat> that's a part of where like the OG creators like growth is definitely there was just way less people doing it and it's harder to break break through now um but I just knew I wanted to continue with YouTube and do something that I was gonna be able to grow more of a following with and do consistently so I'm pretty happy with it and enjoy doing it for sure and, and the opportunities that it's presented me um you know creatively and financially as well Mm -hmm. Did you tell people in your personal life about the channel or was it something that you were afraid they would find out about? So at first I didn't tell anyone like for five minutes because I was like, okay, like let me get a little bit of a following, like some subscribers here before I'm like, Hey everyone, like I'm doing whispering videos. Um, so for the most part though, you know, I started doing it. It wasn't like too young. It was only like two years ago. So I'm pretty secure with who I am as a person. So I'm not hiding it really. Um, or I, I wasn't trying to hide it really. Now at this point, everybody in my life knows. I mean, if you go onto my Instagram, like you see, I have ASMR creator and, you know, all my friends know and I'll talk about it really to anybody that will listen or anybody that's curious. And I do get questions all the time. Um, I am confident that like I'm not a weirdo and the people that do know what ASMR is and, and watch it and enjoy it it's so much easier to have that conversation with them um there's a handful of people that don't know that I do it because I don't talk about it with them but I, I wouldn't ever deny it if it came up I would just explain it it would just be a little uncomfortable like older people or whatever that I work with that are just not really gonna get it um or like a couple people in my in my personal life that I think I just know them. I know they're gonna think it's weird, so it's not the first thing that I want to bring up in conversation. But you can easily find me. You know what I mean if you Google me and like really do some searching. So you know, at some point, you have to kind of get over that if you mm -hmm. want to grow. So yeah. Um, so how do you deal with hate on social media in general? Um, for the most part, it doesn't bother me. I mean, the bigger that you get, you're of course going to get negative feedback. That's what the internet is. Like you literally, everyone is constantly trolling people. So if you put yourself out there and you, you know, get on this platform and you want success, there is not any way that you could do that without having some people leave nasty comments or whatever youtube um filters itself for some things like if i go to the potential spam or potentially harmful comments section that doesn't post automatically i would have to like manually approve it not if i look through that it's like books of books of people you know cursing at me and whatever and youtube flag that as something that i shouldn't have to see um but i think if you're secure as a person and confident in yourself seeing a few of those come through it's really harmless sometimes if i'm having a bad day i might want to like square up with one of these people because i'm like you do not know me you're because they'll say something that doesn't make sense or that's ignorant and you, me i am such a like explainer and a communicator that sometimes it can be hard that i'm like this person doesn't know me. I want to go knock on their door and sit down with them and be like, hey, you said this, but actually this is why you were wrong or this is what my intent was or whatever. So sometimes accepting that I can't do that and I'm not going to please everybody can be um, difficult for me. But for the most part, little things don't bother me. And half the time too, you have to consider 
it very well may be an 11 year old child like Mm -hmm. on their YouTube writing something about me. And it's like, what am I going to do? Like get mad at an 11 year old child? Like, no, you know what I mean? So there's, you know, people, certain people are definitely affected by it more. I commonly can say I'm not that affected by it. Um, unless it comes in like wave. Then it's like a little scary, which that's only happened you know, once, <laughs> <laughs> which we'll get into. Um, I just have one more question that wasn't written down, but it, like I literally started mine a month ago, and I've already had to block people who are commenting like sexual stuff, and I'm a minor, so like right. I was wondering if you've had experiences with that, and how you've is that something that makes you uncomfortable, or is it something you just block them and move on? Like, what is it? How do you deal with that? Yeah, that's definitely hard, especially being a minor. That's, like, so gross to even think about people doing that. And that just makes me even protective for you because that's just so unfair. But it's you're doing the right thing by blocking. Um, yeah, I definitely get major creepy people in my DMs or on comments. Um, for the most part, I just laugh about it. If somebody's mm-hmm. like, trying to be, like, a sugar daddy or says something sexual – I'm not that worried about it. My content, I think if your content leans on more sexual, then you're going to start to get those. And if you start posting more bikini pics or whatever, you're going to get more of that. It doesn't happen a ton, but I just kind of laugh. Like I'll like screenshot it and send it to my boyfriend. And I'm like, oh, like, what do you think? Should I go be with this guy? And he's like, yeah, for sure. And then like, that's it. So I haven't really felt like harassed sexually mm-hmm. I don't think um on social media luckily but I've gotten well actually I have gotten some something that was really inappropriate that I don't even want to get into like like pictures people will try to send me mm-hmm. um but that'll be I, I just I don't even like open it it just gets deleted I don't usually block people though um you would have to do a lot for me to block you because if you want to watch my content, if you want to leave a comment and help with the algorithm, um, that's fine. Like be my guest, you're helping me. So it's rare that I block people, but for in your case, I totally would. Yeah. That's not right. You're minor. At this point in the conversation, Julia touches on the Karuna Satori situation that occurred a few months ago. I want to make it very clear that no hurt or harm was intended to Karuna or to anyone during this section. The tagline of the Normal People podcast is, because everyone has a story. That means that everyone has a subjective truth on how they view different events and situations. This is Julia's subjective truth. This is Julia's perspective on her life story. That doesn't mean that her subjective truth is the same as your subjective truth, because No one's independent view on things is the objective truth of the world. That's just the way the world works, man. (laughs) We all see things differently. And that's true for Julia, and that's true for Corona, and that's true for you, dear listener. So I just wanted to come on here before I play that part of the interview and say um, no hurt was intended to anyone. Please don't send hate to anyone. We're not trying to be controversial I'm just a journalist and a podcast host, y'all, and I had to do my research and ask about major events that happened on Julia's internet career, otherwise I wouldn't be doing my job. 
And Julia was gracious enough to answer my questions, which she didn't need to do, but she chose to answer them eloquently and respectfully, and we have to commend her for her bravery to talk about that. Um, Yeah, so I think she spoke really respectfully. I think you'll think that too once you hear what she says, but if you disagree with anything she says, please don't send hate to anyone's way because, like I said, this is her subjective truth. This is her time to tell her story. She doesn't need backlash for that. If you are listening, Karuna, and you want to come on the podcast, I'd be honored to have you and hear your story. If you're someone who's unrelated to the situation and you have a deferring opinion or you just like want to tell your life story, man, I want you on the podcast too. I want everyone on the podcast. (laughs) But basically, the reason I came on here for two minutes before that section of the interview was just to say no hurt is intended, no rehashing is intended. This is just part of Julia's story that we chose to talk about. Thank you. So now we're going to get into the whole Corona situation. Um, on your channel, you have a series where you review different creators, only fans, and kind of say your opinion on whether it's worth the money, what you like about it, etc. I know that a few months ago, there was a bit of a situation where you reviewed Karuna Satori, who is a different ASMR creator, only fans. If you're willing, do you want to talk about what happened in that situation and do you feel that you're in the right and why or why not? Yeah, so that situation definitely, I mean, I guess looking back, I probably should have realized that uh, it could have blown up like that, but I truly felt that my channel was so small and she was so big that it was something that it was just going to be another video that I had made. Um, I had done these like little review videos, like you said, I did one of reviewing like Lana Rhodes only fans. Cause I saw other creators doing that. I did like reviewing Logan Paul's or I bought Logan Paul's Maverick club. So you don't have to, which is their, his version of kind of like Patreon or whatever. So I definitely went into it not knowing that that smoke was going to come even remotely. Um, and if I could go back and, you know, change it, I, I, I would probably reword some of the ways that I said certain things because with I wasn't expecting such a huge audience and the microscope to be on me. So I, I, I made a sharing my perspective video, of course, where I talked about it, that I could see how certain things that I said um, you know, came off as judgy or ignorant or whatever. So, and and the people that, you know, came to that video and said those things and, and felt that I was being that way um, weren't my core group of subscribers. They, they don't know that I'm more like sarcastic or funny and I make fun of myself. Like I've had videos of me roasting my own Instagram photos. So, um, you know, just... Yeah. I didn't realize that was the audience that was going to be there watching. So I would definitely go back and reword. Um, that being said, as far as, you know, am I in the right? I think for me, it was important to communicate with her and let her know my intentions. Um, let her know that I didn't mean anything by it and just kind of talk about it. Uh, but I also wanted to stand my ground and kind of set the tone for who I am and what I personally represent that I didn't want to delete this video because I, I was, you know, fairly confident that I didn't do anything wrong. I think at the end, end of the day, I didn't expose anything. Um, the, the reaction that I got to me 
felt like if I had walked into somebody's home, taken their personal sex tape and shared it with the internet, like, you know, Paris Hilton style or Kim Kardashian style, and I simply talked about something without showing anything that was available on the internet. So, you know... Did the situation ever get cleared up privately or is it still up in the air? So the first thing that I wanted to do was cleared up privately and um, we did speak. We, we talked on the phone. It was like one o'clock in the morning um, and I thought everything was, was great. We were having friendly conversations um, and then I started to see tweets like a, like a stream of tweets for 24 hours with people tagging me too. And, you know, creators that had been, like, nice to me before, like, tagging me in tweets saying that, like, you know, oh, I must be in debt because, you know, I really needed, like, the money from this situation or whatever. And I was so desperate. So I was like, that was confusing. Um, I know that she was upset. And I never responded to this either. But she tried to kind of, I think, I think what happened was we, we cleared it up privately, but it, my sharing my perspective video and just remaining calm about it kind of dug up a little bit of people that didn't like her for other reasons, kind of mm-hmm. using my, my video in this situation as another excuse and an example of why they didn't like her, which really isn't my fault. And I made clear in my video that this was nothing, you know, negative to her. And I didn't think, you know, she's a, a bad mom or I never said anything like that or whatever. But at some point, um, the narrative changed because she said that I was, you know, tagging her um, in my video tags, which, again, I never addressed. But video tags on YouTube, I'm sure, you know, you have a YouTube channel. At this point, you have, like, your upload um, defaults. So at this point since YouTube's been updated a while ago, it would, it would prompt you to, to do the tags every single time. But the tags are upload defaults that I just had her name, a bunch of creators in there. Um, you know, that was just, that's just a normal thing that, that you do just to get visibility on your videos. I didn't add her name in because of the situation. I wasn't trying to continue the situation. Um, and, but I still, I kept quiet and, took her name out of it and still then saw I think like a video on her non-ASMR channel trying to place blame on me for getting CPS called on her which is just the biggest reach and just such a like mind-blowing accusation um, to me that like there's just no way that I could have had anything to do with that. I don't want that for anybody. I don't know anything about this person. I never encouraged that behavior. I don't, I don't know who did that. I never hearted any comments that were, um, you know, trashing her or anything like that, as she says. So I think she just kind of had to turn the story back around to, I guess, get sympathy or whatever, which is fine. Um, I don't need, I didn't want the attention yet. I'm going to answer your like question. I'm talking about it here, but I wasn't going to make any more videos addressing it or anything because it's just to me the case of something that was so misconstrued and somebody that's misconstruing 
me and and who I am so much that there's really nothing that could be said to change this person's mind. And I just kind of have to hope that the people that are seeing the situation objectively um, will understand that I'm not a monster in any way that I was painted out to me and that this went way, 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 way far uh, farther than it should have. So um, I don't want to be involved with drama. I hope that she is well. I'm sure, you know, she'll probably see this. Um, you know, I apologize still for causing her any sort of um, hurt, but she also caused that back to me. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. It's just, it's YouTube and there's drama, but I truly don't want to be known for that at all. I'm so happy with, I could have made a thousand more videos or whatever, but I am so happy with my core group of subscribers, you know, being that kind of micro influencer, that small YouTuber, like that's cool with me. I don't need any more attention or like clout. I really don't. Um, I'm very happy and content in my life. And so, you know, I didn't want to not answer your question and not talk about it today because I didn't want to take away from, you know, a question that you, of course, would would obviously want to ask me. But me personally, like, I I truly don't want to continue it or, you know, have ill will, even though people are tweeting me and still talking about it. Like, it is what it is. Like, I can can handle it. When you mentioned other creators that you had once been friendly with started like coming at you or not necessarily coming at you, but like tagging you in tweets and such, would, did that like, you don't have to name names if you don't want to, but did that like surprise you? And was that like more hurtful to you in a sense? Um, no, because no one that I really was like friends with, um, just people that you know, didn't really know me and were just kind of jumping on the bandwagon really of hate that I was definitely disappointed in. But, you know, people like to attach themselves to situations and kind of ass kiss um, to get on the good side of somebody that is, you know, really famous or whatever. It's just, I personally wouldn't do that. Like, I wouldn't openly start trashing somebody that you know I didn't know that I had never met um I would try to get the full situation which nobody knows any like of the full situation in any drama on the internet because nobody Mm -hmm. knows the actual people but I think like I said objective like I would hope that the people that are smart enough would look at the situation objectively and make their own decision on how much of a bitch I am or she is or whatever and decide that this was just like a stupid thing that got way out of hand and like there's more important things going on in the world but yeah I mean it was a little ridiculous to see people jumping on the bandwagon but I also had creators big creators reach out to me saying that they supported me and that they felt bad that this was happening. So I appreciated that too. Um, you know, they're, they don't, and I respect that they didn't want to openly get involved with, with drama and, you know, waste their support because I didn't need that in this situation. It was fine. I totally understand like, why would they want to get involved? But 
people, you know, see, saw my side and, and reach out and, and let me know that. So that was nice to see that I'm not going crazy. It's just kind of the whole, you know, mob mentality thing. It's just like, it's crazy. The internet is just like a wild beast these days for sure. <laughs> and because like you said, there is a possibility that Corona may listen to this. Is there anything that you would want to say to her specifically? Um, I would just hope that she wouldn't have an emotional reaction to what I'm saying. Because like I said, although I don't think we're going to be buddies and I don't like the tweeting and, the, you know, changing the story and me being blamed for the CPS thing that I, that's so out of pocket, I am still, you know, apologetic for having caused um, hurt to her and I really truly am just a like funny sarcastic laid-back person that did not mean for any of this to happen and if she wanted to unblock me and talk to me I would talk to her again I'm not able to because she blocked me on everything um but I still wish her the best of success I really do because I think I do believe in um, karma, good and bad, and I don't want to wish poorly on anybody. So I think this situation's over, and I feel calm enough that I really, truly do mean that, that I wish her the best. I hope she is successful with her OnlyFans, and, you know, my video's not going to be deleted because that's kind of my, like, I need to, to stand strong with that, but at the same time, I don't want to, you know, say anything bad about her or have a fight with any youtuber it's just not we're, we're adults so are there any milestones that stand out when you're talk when you're thinking back on your asmr channel i feel like i've just been growing consistently and just been really happy with and content with where everything's been it's not like i've had any like crazy situations of like where one day I just blew up to this amount of subscribers or this amount of views or you know worked with this celebrity or whatever so I feel like I haven't had those types of moments that I can on the spot kind of think about and and name as a milestone but I mean every subscriber milestone I hit you know I'm hopefully gonna hit 50,000 soon that's really exciting for me because the highest that I ever got to on my other channel was I think about 20,000. So just to feel those numbers is definitely an exciting milestone. Um, I think with the uh, creation of my Patreon and just kind of diversifying my income a little bit, that was a milestone because now that started, that revenue has started to be greater for me than that of just YouTube alone. And the numbers that I've grown on Patreon, I think were a milestone and continue to be. I think also too, recognition from other creators um larger creators within the community that's always exciting it makes me feel involved and included and like my small channel still has meaning you know when these other bigger creators are noticing so yeah i don't know if that answers the question or it was vague but hopefully there's more to come this year mm -hmm. <laughs> what can your viewers expect from your channel in the future hmm. they can expect 
hopefully continued consistency. So me doing my videos twice a week, I think that's super important and something I pride myself in and try really hard to do. They can expect hopefully some sort of expansion or something on my Patreon because like I said, I've been really lucky um, the financial growth that I've seen there recently. So I want to be able to uh, have the content grow with, you know, the, the finances grow of that as well. Maybe more videos, maybe diversifying my videos. You know, I filmed a vlog for Patreon that's not ASMR, but it'll just be kind of extra. I'd love to do also um, more merch. I know I've done merch in the past, but it was from like one of those quick printers that's um, not really, really great quality. So I'd like to kind of come out with merch that's really really cool in terms of the design and more high quality in terms of the garment so that's something that i'd love to do um more collaborations i would love to do if there are any youtubers you know reach out to me i think those are always fun and mutually beneficial um and yeah hopefully just continued growth i would love to get to 100,000 subscribers at some point. I highly doubt that will happen this year, but we can pretend and we can manifest, so you never know. <laughs> and what about in your personal life? What's coming up for you? Personal life? I mean, geez, with COVID, like, mm -hmm. ugh, probably a whole lot of nothing, um, except I am hoping to get engaged very soon. <laughs> so that's kind of the thing in my personal life, the biggest change that I'm hoping that will come. But the ball's not in my court there. It's in Tony's, and that's where it belongs. I'm such a control freak, so I'm trying to just stay back and let him do that and handle that. Um, hopefully continued growth within my career, because like I said, I'm definitely a career person. And then down the line um somewhat soon-ish you know within the next less than five years I would love to have kids but we'll see okay so now I'm just going to ask you some rapid fire questions that we ask everybody okay um who is your biggest inspiration my biggest inspiration I hate to say this, and I'll probably get hate for it, but I want to say, like, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> I, I agree. I'm a huge Kardashian-like person. <laughs> I don't know. I love them. They're so, like, they get hate. Like, even Tony's, like, will talk shit or whatever. I'm like, the way that they've grown their business, it's not luck. Some people are reality stars. They have their five minutes. They waste it because they don't know how to kind of keep growing, build a brand, diversify their income. Um, you know, create a plan for like longevity in terms of their brand and their money. She has, and the whole, the whole, their whole family has done that in a way, you know, with Skims and KKW Beauty and the show and Instagram and all that. They're set for life. Their kids are set for life. And, mm -hmm. you know, if, yeah, the sex tape obviously was a huge awareness thing, but they took that situation and knew how to grow it into a career. And that's far you know, gone and she's built her brand. So I'm definitely super inspired by her. Yeah. And they're kind of pioneers in like social media careers too. Like they really pioneered. Sure. Like Kylie grew her whole business out of Instagram stories, which I, I will know. always be an admiration okay. of. Okay. Yeah. What does happiness look like for you? Happiness for me looks like my friends and family 
are healthy and happy. Um, my career is going well and on an upward trajectory. I'm content in my life because I think oftentimes we are always too focused on like what's next and the next step and the next thing and the next thing. But it's important to remember to be grounded and be content. So healthy health for me, my friends and family, um, you know, food on the table, love between my friends and boyfriend, um, and myself, social outings, just kind of all those simple things that we take for granted, you know, because life is, life gets complicated. So I think it's important to be aware and content before you have to deal with any of that stuff as you get older. So I'm just trying to kind of be in the moment and be content. And I think that's happiness for me. What does success look like for you? I think success for me looks like happiness. So all the things that I just described, I mean, if we're talking obviously monetary success, it's like a different thing, but just a general success and happiness, I would group into the same, uh, the same stuff. You know, I feel successful if I'm happy in all those different areas of my life. Do you believe in love? Yes, absolutely. 100%. What does love look like for you? Love for me looks like just looking at, I mean, when it comes to my boyfriend, like that romantic love, just looking at that person and knowing how much you care for them and that you would do anything for them. And then your heart is just like full of, of bubbles or whatever, whenever they're around and you just want to build a life with them. Love with, you know, your family and friends is, I think laughter and uh, growing relationships and fighting and then being able to talk about it afterwards and get through it and grow from that and having crazy times where you are walking home at seven o'clock in the morning, but then also being able to sit with each other um, in silence while you are on your phones and watch Netflix. So yeah, does that answer the question? I feel like I might have gotten away from it. It was supposed to be rapid fire, like <laughs> another paragraph. Um, do you have any regrets? Um, of course. Yeah, I think we all have regrets. And there, and you said you're on TikTok, like, you know, the TikToks where they're like, oh, thinking about X, Y, Z. And it's like, <laughs> uh, like, so 100%. Anybody that says they don't have regrets, like, that's not true. But to that point where I'm at right now in my life, I'm definitely happy and content. So the regrets that I have, the mistakes that I've made have brought me here. So I wouldn't turn back in the hands of time to change anything. But of course, there's things I look back on and cringe, but it's not to the point of like, I need to redo this moment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, what is your biggest regret? biggest regret um I don't know I would have to sit and think about that because there's not anything that like really comes to mind that's like okay this was the thing because again I think that would be something where I'd want to like turn back the hands of time but I don't really have anything I've done a lot of stupid shit but I've done a lot of good shit and it all kind of like balances out to bring me where I'm at now I'm sure I'll, I'll do more stupid shit too so <laughs> everyone does <laughs> Where do you see good in the world? 
Um, not on the internet. <laughs> uh, I see good in the world with, I think, just kind of social interactions that are unexpected. Um, like, you know, just a friendly, like, wave at somebody or forgiveness when it might not be warranted. Um, just kind of... <sighs> children I think are happiness um does that answer the question what was the question again it's where you see good in the world that's where I see good in the world yeah I I feel like just like I said kind of like breaking bread with your neighbor or waving hello to a stranger or doing a good deed that you didn't need to do or letting go of a fight that you didn't necessarily have to let go of just being a bigger person being understanding being calm and um, empathetic. Are you afraid of death? Um, yes, definitely. For me, I'm definitely not ready to go yet. I feel like I have a lot of things to do still in this world. And then for other people, for sure, ter- like it terrifies me to think about losing the people that I love because I do love them so deeply. Um, but at the same time, I know that that's the only thing in this life that is unavoidable and inevitable is death for all of us. So at the same time, I do sometimes like to make jokes about it. You know, tell my friends, you know, when I die, I play this song at my funeral. They're like, oh, my God, don't do that. I'm like, I'm going to die one day. But you have to know that. So, you know, being able to talk about it as though it is a real part of life because it is. And a lot of people just want to not talk about it. But we're all going to die. It's going to happen to all of us. Nobody gets out alive. So we kind of have to, I try to like accept it, you know, a little bit mentally. What is something that you wish someone had told you, Hey, you're not alone about. Hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of things and I feel like honestly memes and things now are are you know telling me hey you're not alone about this and that is the one thing that's good about the internet um is that there's i feel like people are able to be relatable and stuff with each other there's so many memes there's so many blogs you can find anyone that has been in your situation so probably at the probably you know things that i dealt with as a teenager that i would get upset about like um, you know, dealing with things with boys or whatever, where you feel alone. Uh, but now, you know, I'm older and I know that I'm not the only person that experiences these things. Um, so it's hard for me to think of like a fresh example. What is the greatest piece of advice you've ever received? just to I'm gonna like kind of generalize just kind of what I learned from my mom and I think I took from my mom is just really that balance is one of the most important things in life I think that's the most important advice that I would give to somebody too um that there's so much going on and if ever you need to like meditate and figure out what to do, balance the word just like fits for everything. Um, whether it's how much you should do something or d- making decisions, it's like there's, it's just so important to think about 
not taking life too seriously, but then not taking life as too much of a joke and your career, not taking your career too seriously, but then not slacking off. It's like, there's always a middle ground and it never has to be this like extreme one way or the other. And I think it's always important to kind of think about what that middle ground is and go towards that. So I think that was, that's what I always recall in my head when I'm, you know, feeling troubled for sure. Yeah. So the next question is any advice you want to give people listening, but you just said you would give the balance advice. And this is the last question. Sorry, did you have something you want to add? No. Okay. Balance. Balance is it. Hashtag balance. I swear, it works for everything. So this is the last question. How do you hope to be remembered when you leave this world? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I hope to be remembered as somebody that was really balanced. <laughs> like, um, you know, funny, but also you know, caring and can be serious and and personal when needed. Um, Definitely a career-driven person, but also didn't take that too seriously. And definitely, you know, social life is a priority for me as well. Um, Someone that loved their friends and their family dearly, but was just kind of like a goofy person um that wasn't afraid to be herself be confident um and love yeah I, again balanced <laughs> a balanced woman <laughs> that sounds stupid but you know what I mean mm-hmm. okay so that's all the questions I have for you before I end the podcast do you want to plug your social medias Sure. So my YouTube channel is ASMR at Babe with two E's on the end of Babe. My Instagram is Julia X Babe with two E's on the end of Babe as well. So you can find me on both of those. And all my other stuff I'm less active on, but YouTube and Instagram are the main places where you will find me. Okay. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And that was my episode with Julia. You can find all of her socials linked in the episode notes of this podcast. You can also find my socials, including my ASMR channel, Sephora ASMR, in the description as well. Uh, If you're on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and a very kind review. I would greatly appreciate it. And if any of you would like to be interviewed for normal people, I have a submission form linked in the episode notes and you can fill that out and I just might contact you. Have a great night, day, morning, evening, whatever time it is for you. And I love you. Bye.